0: lead group practice sessions and work with individual students. Visit DharmaMoon.com/slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free
1: online event with David Nickturn on May 28th.
2: Maharaji and an under my mob played hide and seek. Like <laughs> like two children. They were playing hide and seek in, in mama's garden. Welcome to Healing at the Edge, a podcast featuring interviews, archive talks, and teachings on conscious living, conscious dying with Ramdev Dale Borglum, brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. Dale has been a meditation teacher for nearly 50 years and has been at the bedside of the dying and their loved ones for over 40 years. He was the director of the Hanuman Foundation and founded the first center for conscious dying in Santa Fe, New Mexico. He's taught with Stephen Levine, Ram Dass, and countless others on the spiritual path. Dale is still working with the Dying today. For more information, please visit livingdying.org.
1: Hello, this is Ram Dave on the Healing at the Edge channel of the Be Here Now Network. I'm the director of the Living Dying Project, and we're in the process of adding some people to our board of directors. And among them, I'm so happy to report that I have asked Ma Hopsburg to be on our board of directors. She agreed. And last night, she and I were having a business meeting about the Living Dying Project and started talking about Maharaji stories in the good old days. And She had s- such wonderful stories that I felt would be a total shame if they were not recorded in some way so people could hear them. In the future that i invited her to do this podcast today so here i am in california and here is my dear friend mukti ma in santa fe new mexico welcome so good to see you this morning
2: oh so good to see you ram ram
1: ram ram so mukti ma is a spiritual teacher in her own right and uh she used to lead enlightenment intensive she was good friends with ramdas but primarily she went to India, spent time with Nim Karoli Baba and with Anandamai, both of whom I spent time with. Our paths did not meet in India. Ramdas and I and a bunch of people got kicked out of India because we'd overstayed our visas before Mukti got there. But after we came back to America, we've crossed paths in so many wonderful ways. Maybe you could tell us how you got to India in the first place. Uh, you told me that story last night and it was so delightful.
2: So um I had been listening to Ramdas uh talk about his guru. Uh, I was living in Miami before 2 3 years before and um and I would go on this boat uh, Ken Kaiser's boat and I would hear Maharaji uh Ramdas talking about Maharaji. And uh when I moved to Los Angeles and I was uh of doing the Enlightenment Intensives with Charles Burner, who was my husband at the time, uh, and uh, and I was working with people in different ways. Uh, uh, I heard that Ramdas was doing a benefit at the Embassy Auditorium in Los Angeles to raise money to uh, to get Tim Leary out of the St. Louis, Obispo Jail. So I decided to go and Ramdas knew me and knew Charles. And so uh, he asked me to come on stage and Krishna Das was there. Amazing Grace was there. I think Allen Ginsberg was there. Uh, a, a, a group of us were there and we were chanting "Shri Ram, J. Ram, J. J Ram. And I looked at Maharaji's picture. It was a big picture of Maharaji's face uh, on stage. And I heard you come to me now. And I thought to myself, "I who's talking to me? Uh, I didn't drink anything. I didn't smoke anything. I, I, I'm not hallucinating. I, so I kept chanting Sri Ram, J Ram, J J Ram. And in the course of the evening, I heard this three times. You come to me now. It was a command and it was, was just thrown at me like that. You come to me now. So I went home and the next morning, I used to do laps, swim in the, in the swimming pool every morning. And after I did my laps, I said to my husband, Charles, I said, Charles, I have to go to India. And he said, are you mad? Have you lost your mind? You, because of you, we're, we have scheduled a five-day enlightenment intensive a 14-day enlightenment intensive and a 21-day enlightenment intensive. You can't leave. It's because of you. You didn't think three days was enough. And so I looked at him and I said, I have to go to India. You have all the staff you need. You have all the help you need, but I have to go. So he said, okay, I. Um, you can go. I can only give you $200 because um, Charles had an ex-wife and seven children and all the money that we made basically went to the support of his children. So um, so I thought, okay, I have to go to India, what shall I do? And so a man that I had been giving therapy to uh, uh, came to me and said, I hear from the school, because we had a school and we had people we were working with, uh, I heard that you want to go to India. I will give you a ticket and $200. So here I was with $400 and a round trip ticket to India. I arrived in in uh, in Nanital and I asked where Baba is. And they told me that Baba is in, went to the mountains. He's not here. He's not here. So I went to a chai shop, a, a tea shop. I sat down and I closed my eyes and I said, Baba, if you have ca- really called me, and you, please direct me to you, to where you are. Please bring me to you. And no sooner had I had I d- said that and opened my eyes, there was a sadhu, a, 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 a renunciate a monk, I guess, uh, that uh, with the with some uh, chimtas. Are they called chimtas? What are they called?
1: Chimtas are the long iron fire tongs where a, a saddle carries sometimes all they own is a set of chimtas and a water bowl a lota
2: right so, so when she, the,
1: when they're seated around the fire at night they can tend the fire with the chimtas right
2: okay so he came dung dung with a a sound you know and he said you want to see nimkuri baba nimkuri baba i take you i take you so we got into a taxi and we we went to kenchi and I, uh, as I uh, went into the temple, uh, when I got to the Durga, there's a there's a relief of of, of Durga's feet uh, right before where Maharaji was sitting on the tucket. And uh, I got to that place, and I heard him say, "My Muktima has come. Her name is Muktima. She gives." By this time, I'm closer to him. She gives liberation to people. Ha! ha, ha. He started to laugh and laugh and laugh. And so,
1: and of uh, course, could I interrupt? Mukti does mean liberation, the name itself.
2: Right. Yeah. It's the same as moksha. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So my Mukti, my son, and she gives liberation to people. And she he looked at me very sternly then, and he said, Ma, sing me a song of liberation. And I was so uh, surprised and stunned by the fact that here I'm, I'm going to see uh, – a being, a liberated being. And he's telling me that I, you know, that I'm the mother of liberation. And so I was tongue tied and I, I, I couldn't do anything. I was just looking at him, just uh, taking it all in. And he gave me sweets and he gave me fruit and the whole thing as he did to everybody. Uh, so, and thereafter, uh well, Every morning when he got came out of his room where he slept, he would call out Mukti Dena Walla Ma, which means uh, the pusher of liberation or the the
1: salesperson.
2: The, the sales, yeah, the the walla, the person that goes around uh, uh pushing liberation, selling liberation. You can't sell liberation, but anyway. And so uh, uh so and then he would wait for me to come and he would put his arm out. I would put my arm out and he would put his hand on my arm and I would walk him to his office where he he saw uh, all these people. Now, the funny thing, the curious thing is that uh, three months later, he passed. He left his body. And three months later, Charles Berner, my husband, came to India on the day of the of the Bandara. okay, of Maharaji's Bandara and he came with 15 of our students they had all done the enlight- the 21 days enlightenment intensive and and he came and he lay down on the ground sobbing because he never got to see maharaji so if i had allowed my my rational mind to say well i have this to do and that to do and i can't go now maharaji you just have to wait i would have never seen him yeah i just listened i'm a very good student I really am. I've been like that all my life, and I listened. And so, I, when I heard that three times, it was just undeniable that I had to go. He was calling.
1: Maybe I could tell my story about meeting Maharaji. So, I had met Ramdas when I was a graduate student at Stanford. He he and I became drinking buddies. And whenever he'd come to Northern California, he'd stay at Joel's house with my buddy who lived right across the street. Joel had been at Millbrook after Ram Dass and Larry got kicked out of Harvard. And I remember actually being in the back of Joel's convertible with Ramdas and Joel in the front, and we were eating opium and driving down the hills <laughs> and, uh, outside of Palo Alto. And I thought, I'm the luckiest yogi in the world. So anyway, uh, Muktananda came, and there's a whole... Muktananda chapter but ramdas said i'm invited he said to me i'm inviting you and some other very pure young men to go and be with my uh, be with my yoga teacher haridas baba so he invited me and dwarka and danny goman and and uh, who's now of course and Krishnas and Das and ragu to go and study with haridas and, at the, and in those days i had no way of determining what a guru was. And I had a puja table with four pictures of exactly the same size. There was Maharaji, there was Hanuman, there was Haridas Baba, there was Muktananda, and there was Ramdas. And they were all the same size. And I just, I had no way of saying Maharaji was more of a guru than Ramdas was or something. Ramdas was only one of them I'd met. And then I met Muktananda. so. I'm about to go off to India to study with Haridas. And he sends me a telegram saying, Hey, I'm coming to Davis, California. If you want to study with me, don't come to India, stay there. And here is the guy that Ramdas said, he's your connection. He's the guy you should study with. And I got as quiet as I could. And I just asked God, should I go to India, not knowing anybody, or should I stay and study with Haridas? The guy that Ramdas set me up with. And I just, I got the message, go to India. And I went there. I spent six months with Muktananda. It was incredibly difficult. His his ashram to me was a combination of an ashram, an insane asylum, asylum and a prison. I mean, it was so intense. (laughs) And finally, I escaped and made my way to uh, Kenshi. First person I met was Danny Goldman out on the veranda of the Evelyn Hotel, with his lungi pulled up, getting a suntan, eating white bread toast and reading a novel. and I I just almost killed myself trying to get enlightenment with Muknananda. and here's this guy. she's like he's on vacation. I thought, what are these people doing even? So anyway, I went up to Kosani where the more uh, committed meditators supposedly were uh, up to the Gandhi, ashram they are high, higher up in the mountains. We were there for a week or two, and a telegram came saying, Maharaj is returned, come immediately. And this was the first time then that Maharaji really settled down and allowed Westerners to gather around him. So we all got on this bus to go from Kusani to Kenshi. They're only about 20 miles apart, but there's a mountain in the middle so you have to go down one valley and up the other valley it takes you know many hours we -hmm. stopped on the way we got some apples other prasad and we get to the temple as we're approaching everybody's getting so excited because they're going to be with maharaji ramdas had been saying muktananda was the same being as maharaji i had just been with muktananda for six months i i was not that impressed with muktananda i I felt it was partly my fault that I couldn't surrender. Later on, finding out it was just I didn't have that connection with him. But So I, so everybody's all excited. I'm feeling kind of cynical. But I was the first person off the bus. I go running in there. I didn't stop to wash my feet. I didn't pranam at the different temples. I just went running around all the right corners. And there was Maharaji on the other side of the courtyard in, 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 in the back of the ashram. And he saw me and he looked happy to see me. It was like, the feeling I got was we were two five-year-olds who were best friends. And I'd been off at summer camp. And he was so glad to see me again. And I came running over to him. And I had this prasad and I just like dropped at his feet. and He started hitting me on the head saying, Brah- <laughs> brahmananda yogi, brahmananda yogi, brahmananda yogi said that three times. But the main thing was I felt for the first time in my life that I was home. That I had been, I had been so unhappy doing what I was doing. I was like a, you know, I just gotten all, all all this education in mathematics at Berkeley and Stanford. I didn't want to be a scientist. I wanted God, and here I was in this like, finally, finally, it, it all made sense. It was certainly beyond sense. There was just something so deep in my heart that just broke open. And it all happened in that one moment. Certainly since then, there's been a lot of work to do. There's been a lot of confusion and this and that. But the bottom line is that there's that solid place of, I'm with Maharaji. I, 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 I know why I'm on this planet. I know what my work is. But then the other thing was when I was with Maharaji, at one point we were in Brindavan and Anandamai was there at the same time. So in, in the morning, we'd go be with Anandamayi. In the afternoon, we'd go be with Maharaji. Then in the late afternoon, early evening, we'd go be with Anandamayi. And then we'd go back to the guest house and Ramdas and all of us would sit down and talk about what had happened during the day. Maybe you could say a little bit about your experience with Anandamayi.
2: Oh my goodness, yes. Um, yes, that was, must have been a real, uh, I mean, that was a blessing. To be able to have Maharaji and, and Ma, you know, uh, uh, on the same day, having Darshan. Um, I uh, After Maharaji left his body, I went to Delhi. And I was at the Evelyn Hotel, at the, uh, what's the hotel in, Del- in Delhi that we all staged? It was a... Um,
1: I don't remember the name of it. Yeah.
2: Palace Heights, correct, uh, in, uh, in 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 Kannad Place, and I was there, and somebody said to me, under my Ma is here uh, in 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 Delhi, and she's." They gave me an address. You know, you want to go? Do you want to go? So I said, "Yes, yes, of course." And I walked into this hall where Ma was sitting, and my knees buckled. I couldn't stand up anymore. I just my body just went on my knee on the knees, just spontaneously and then i uh, later on uh, after they stopped the kirtan uh, and ma left and then she came back and while she was gone i went really close to her i went by her by her seat and uh when she came back she one look into my eyes and that was it I just followed her around like a puppy dog. I stayed uh, for, I guess, nine and a half years until she left her body. I would follow her around wherever she went. Uh, She gave me diksha, uh, initiation. Uh, She, uh, you know, at one time I was so upset about the ashram because they were Bengali Brahmins. Uh, Ma was a Bengali Brahmin. And when she was very young, uh, she asked the people around her, uh, "How sh- how shall this body act? How do you want this body to act? Do you want this body to mingle freely with with all, or do you want this body to adhere to brahmanic strict, you know, brahmanic rules?" And they said, "Oh, ma, you you know you you stick to brahmanic rules." So she said, "So be it," and so. The ashram was a terrible place for Westerners. You know, they would feed. They would feed, they invited guests. They would feed. Uh, they would no. They would feed the swamis. They would feed the invited guests. They would feed the beggars, and then only they would feed the Westerners outside the ashram wall. This is how I, bad it was. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because because, and, because
1: we were not part of the caste system.
2: Right, and we've eaten cow meat once in our lifetime. That was like juta. We were unclean. So it was very, very difficult to be near Ma. However, when she saw injustices, like when they when I was in Jagannath Puri and they wouldn't feed me and I was the only Westerner there and I would go outside, you know, I would go outside her house and I would just watch her for hours and hours and hours through a window. And she she would go, did you eat? And I would, I would just, just pranam to her. And then somebody would run down and bring me food, you know, uh, to eat. Mm-hmm. So, but one time I went to her and I said, ma, I said, uh, uh, first of all, they wouldn't let me close to her. So finally I said, ma, ma. And when I said that, she said bolo. And when she said bolo, which means speak, everybody had to part so I could go near her, you know? And, uh, I said, Ma, why do you have rakshasas around you, Uh, you know, demons around you? And she started to laugh. She said, the sick ones go to the doctor. The well ones stay at home. (laughs) That told me. That told me. (laughs) The sick ones go to the doctor. The ones that are well stay home.
1: (laughs) So when we were on Maharaji, he began to let the Westerners do some of the cooking in in the kitchen at the... Uh, particularly this up would Kenchi. never
2: happen with Ma. And never. of
1: course, the Indians were scandalized because they were being asked to eat food that were not being cooked by Brahmins. So these Brahmins are supposed to eat only certain kinds of foods. And like Dwarka was in the kitchen cooking. I know. And uh, Maharaji just kept beating down everybody's concepts of what's pure and what's right. and And really the only important thing is love.
2: Absolutely,
1: yes. Absolutely.
2: Yes. Yes. And one time I ran to her, I was so frustrated. I said, Ma, I want liberation now. I want moksha now. And she started to laugh and laugh. She said, in order to have a meal, you have to go to the bazaar. You have to get the vegetables. You have to bring them home. You have to wash them. You have to cut them up. You have to put them in the pot. You have to cook them. Then only can you eat.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess we know what the metaphor is there.
2: <laughs> yes, definitely. You've got to do your work.
1: <laughs> so do you have any wonderful stories about Maharaji or Anandamite, Uh miracle stories or stories where you felt such deep love or anything that might inspire people?
2: Well. Um, Maharaji uh, blasted my heart, you know, uh, he called me in a room, uh, he threw everybody out and he called me in in, in his office, I guess, no, it was a different room, it was not his office, it was another room, and uh, he made me bar the door and he, he motioned for me to sit on the tucket with him. So I went and I sat on the tucket. And then he grabbed me and rocked me in his arms like a little child. And I cried and cried. Just everything that I was holding in my heart just came out. And I cried and cried and cried. And he let me cry. And he rocked me and he rocked me. And then finally, he pushed me away. And he took his three fingers and put them in my mouth three times like, Like that. And then he took his hand and he pushed on my heart and he said heart three times on my heart. And when he did that, it almost it was like my heart chakra just blasted, just shattered. I mean, it just blasted open. And um, and then he took uh, his hand and put it three times on my head. And then he told me to leave. And that whole transaction with him that whole interchange uh and then he closed his eyes before he told me to leave he closed his eyes and I felt like he was seeing all the my births and and, uh, everything that he could see everything the future the past everything and so and then I went out and from that moment on I could not close my heart again even though there were very painful things that, you know, that you would want to close your heart to, you know, that that would be your first impulse would be, oh, well, I don't I couldn't I couldn't close my heart anymore. It was just wide open and it was going to remain like that. That was a miracle. For what me,
1: a, what a wonderful story.
2: You know, he, and and he, I went outside uh this room and I sat down and I don't remember, I think two days passed. Dorka said that I was in a, nobody could talk to me. I I was just not, I was gone. I was not there. Something, he rewired me. He, He did something to me for sure. But you know, I've, the only thing that I've ever wanted from the time I was a little girl was to know God. And I've lived my life to the exclusion of anything else. I've only wanted to know God and to love God. And I remember uh, I was in New Jersey and my aunt came to New Jersey and she came to me and she said, honey, do you remember when you were 17 years old and uh, and you were sitting on the, on the sofa and you were sobbing and just sobbing? And I said to you, honey, what's wrong? And you said, Aunt Stella, I want to know God more than I want anything. And I didn't remember that specific time, Ram Dave, but I remember all the times I cried for God to know right. God. Huh. So Maharaji saw that obviously, and he he did. Uh, he rewired me.
1: He <laughs> yeah. I had a very different. I never got the the. I guess when I was 17 years old, I was still interested in going to college and girls and different things like that. Maybe, maybe a tougher case or something.
2: No, I don't think so. The thing is that when I was five years old, I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought, and this is, was very, very unacceptable for a five-year-old. I thought what happens to me after I die? Is there no more me? And that, was uh, uh, unacceptable. I couldn't, I couldn't. Fa- first of all, I, at five years old, you're so full of yourself. You can't imagine n- not existing, you know? And so uh, my nanny came in because I was crying and I said, no, no, this is too important. I want my mother. So my mother came in and I said, mama, what happens to me after I die? I said, There's no more me. And my mother put her head, hands on my head and said, there, there, baby, you're too young to think of things like this. And when my mother, who was everything to me at that time. She was God to me, you know? And when my mother didn't know, then I had to know. So that propelled me to, I didn't want to study. I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to know what happens to me after I die if there's no more me. And that intention of of finding out what happens to me after I die, got me to who am I? What am I? What is life? what are we doing here together? What is death? What is life? What is death? And I only went for that to the, I mean, to the exclusion of almost everything.
1: What is your experience been of Maharaji since he's left his body?
2: he's constantly with me. You know, I went to a, somebody said go to this psychic, you know, and I, I I said I don't need a psychic. Listen, he's really good, you know, go. So I wa- I walked in and he said, "Who is that man that is sitting on your right shoulder with a blanket, this fat old man?" I said, "Oh." <laughs> and he and he said, "And who is that woman with a in white sitting on your left shoulder?" So, uh, I yes they're with me all the time they're with me all the time I it, I mean I talked to Maharaji I the first thing I see when I when I open my eyes in the morning you know is this picture by by my bed uh, he, he sometimes I see him dancing in my garden
1: I, <laughs> No wonder you're so happy all the time
2: I it's true I it's true <laughs>
1: One time, uh, Balaram was with Maharaji with some Indian people, and Maharaji turned to the Indian people and pointed at Balaram and said, he has been my, my, my disciple for countless lifetimes. Maybe he said devotee. I can't remember. It's devotee your disciple. But he has been with me for countless lifetimes. I love it. And, I mean, it's a really tricky thing. I, I teach these groups. And uh, the last group, we were talking about meditation and about mantra. And so many people have the question: uh, You're lucky you got a mantra from Maharaji. Now Maharaji's not in his body, and I, I read a book, and I like this mantra, but it's not like I got it from Maharaji. And how do I know if it's the right mantra? How do I know? And just to explain to people that the person who says the mantra, the essence of the mantra the sound of the mantra they're all exactly the same thing that the god guru and self are the same and that that you can use the mantra as a vehicle to get somewhere that i feel separated from maharaji so if i say a mantra maybe i'll get closer but there's another way of being with a mantra that each sound each sound is maharaji is ram is Hanuman whoever is is the mother that each sound is worship each sound is is total connection a total union and uh, but one has to be ripe to have that experience.
2: yes yes and I've given people mantras they've asked me for mantras and I haven't done it. I haven't given the mantra. I will sit and I will ask. Maharaji or Ma, uh, depending, you know, uh, depending. Uh, and then I get a mantra and it's not me giving that mantra. And of course, it's, it, 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 I feel that it comes from Maharaji, you right. know, and and I can't give a mantra. I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. I'm an automatic pilot. I, 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 I've given myself to to God completely. Well, as completely as I can, you know, in in having a form, but, but uh, uh, it's up to the person, you know, the story about the guy that uh, uh, there was a, a a great devotee uh, of this guru, very prominent guru. And he kept repeating his guru's name continuously, day and night, day and night, day and night. And upset-mindedly, he went to the riverbanks and then he walked on water. So the people of the village saw this and they ran to the guru and they said, oh, great Maharaj, great saint, great guru. Um, you're so great that your devotee walked on water. And so the, when they left, the guru thought, ha-ha, I am so great. I am so powerful. I'm going to go walk on water. So he went to the to the river, and he drowned. <laughs> so the moral of the story is, is: the purity of your seeking gets you there. It's not how pure the guru is, really. Although I could not be taught by anything but but purity, you know. I had to go for the, you know, for the uh, purest of the pure, I guess. Uh, but it's the it's what you do with yeah. it. You know what you have is a gift from from them, and what you do with what you have is your gift back to them, right?
1: Yeah, they say in India that the work of the guru takes place in one second, and then you have to. The guru shows you, and then you have to bring it into manifestation. Correct. But I mean, it's such a it's such a conundrum. It's it's so confusing that Maharaji says, "I'm not this body." They they don't understand who I am, and yet he called you into his room and held you when you cried and patted you on the head and the heart and put his fingers in your mouth. And so his, his body was doing that. And on one hand, when I was in India, I was not as attached to Maharaji's body as a lot of people. For me, it was more an inner thing. When mm-hmm. Maharaji died, it didn't, it was very sad, but it didn't bother me as much as it bothered like Krishnas, for instance who i knew really well at that time i mean he was just completely devastated and for me it was well i don't have to fly back to india anymore now I, I don't have to say i'm missing out because i'm here and he's there it's like he's everywhere i knew that all the time but now i really know it and i in one way i'm i've always been a little jealous of people who have this very physical relationship with the guru that has to do with the stories and touching and, you know, like these immediate kind of outer blessings, it seems. And on the other hand, it feels like there's something very, very pure and impersonal as well. There's another kind of love too. And after I was with Maharaji, I felt him. I don't know if he was on my shoulder, but I felt his presence all the time. He was He was talking to me, I was talking to him. And then at, at one point, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago or something. Uh, He died 50 years ago next year. Uh, Last year was the 50th anniversary of me being with him. So I don't know, like 25 years ago or something. All of a sudden, I couldn't feel him anymore. I couldn't hear him. And I felt, I guess I'm a bad devotee. He's abandoned me because I haven't, I haven't been meditating enough or something. I mean, I know he would never abandon me, but that's what my mind was saying. And I just, I, I felt this way for months. And then finally, I got this message. And he said, he said, it's time for you to fly with your own wings. I've, I've given you what you need. It's time for you to be yourself and not just a devotee, but to be who you are and we're all devotees it's not like it's not like i'm abandoning you but i i want you to uh you know your wings are strong enough to get out of the nest and fly and fly around the world and and do the things that an a, a adult bird would be doing so to speak
2: how beautiful yeah when he did this to, with me uh, in the room, where he held me and he rocked me and he did all these things, putting his hands in my mouth and my head and my heart. After that, I, there was really no attachment to his form. Right. You know, I don't know. As I said, he re- he did something because I wasn't attached to his form. He was he was here all the time. He was in oh. my heart. Mm. So, and there is a story. Um, I was uh, this body was was uh, 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 adopted by a, a a royal family in in India, and. Uh, mama this they adopted me they legally adopted me so i could stay in india as long as i want and i had a family in india it was wonderful and the the uh, rajmata had a, a, a house in nanital and my ma would go there to visit because she was a they, that family was a great devotee family of anandamaya ma very close to her second generation i mean the the, the Rajmata's uh, mother-in-law uh, was uh, uh, devoted to ma. So Maharaji one time went there, and so did Siddhima. Siddhima saw this because she she and I discussed this, you know, when I was with her. And Maharaji and ma played hide-and-seek, like <laughs> like two children. They were playing hide-and-seek in, in Mama's garden.
1: <laughs> well, when we were there, uh, one day... We were with Maharaji, and he said, "Let's go over to Ma's place in Brindavan." And we all traipsed over with him. And or, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Maybe we were there, and he came unexpectedly. But anyway, we were we were there with Maharaji and Anandamai in the same room, and and he came and sat by her, and she started feeding him. Oh yeah. And and he said, "Ma can only Ma can do this. Only Ma can feed me." And he was like just a little child around her in a certain very pure yeah, way. Yeah.
2: Yes, it was wonderful, yeah.
1: So any final comments before we part and offer this podcast to the universe?
2: Open your heart. Open your heart to love, open your heart to God, open your heart to yourself.
1: Thank you so much for being here. Thank you f- so much for uh agreeing to support the work of the Living Dying Project.
2: I'm excited. I'm honored and excited to do this.
1: And I look so much forward to being able to do this together and to deepen our friendship. So touching your feet, and we will talk soon.
2: I touch your feet, Baba.
1: Ram Ram. Ram Ram.